You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. And they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The grace of God, the presence of God appears. And the Lord instructs Moses on how to provide water for the people. Go speak to the rock and the rock will give water to the people. Now, what I find interesting is that God doesn't try to fix their wrong belief. He just meets their need. Have you ever doubted God's goodness? Well, the Israelites sure did as they were wandering the wilderness. For 40 years, God continued to provide food, water, and shelter in miraculous ways for them. You'd think they wouldn't have had any doubt after the miraculous things they'd seen, Well, they did doubt, and God's reaction wasn't anger, it was love and patience. In today's message, Pastor Holland will show you that if God was able to destroy the Israelites' doubt, then He can destroy yours too. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Numbers chapter 14 as he continues his message, Grace in the Wilderness. And when I look at our nation today, this is what I see in our nation today. I see a nation that is in rebellion because they feel condemned by God. And because we feel condemned by God, because we don't accept forgiveness, because we're not abiding in the love of God, we feel the pressures and the anxieties of this world. And that leads people to want to do things to escape the pain and the pressure and the anxiety of this world. And there's entire industries that are built on Masking the pain and masking the anxiety. In fact, the United States House under Democrat control just now passed a law legalizing marijuana throughout all United States. They're waiting for it to go through the Senate to see if it would be passed in the Senate and become a United States law. And whether you agree with that or not, that's not my issue. What I'm here to say is that what it tells me is that we are a nation that feels condemned, that doesn't know that we're loved, and we don't know how to deal with pressure or anxiety or depression or any of the things of life because we think we're all alone. And so we're trying to do what we can to survive. And yet God has made a way in Jesus Christ for us to know that we are loved by him. And when you are, know that you are loved by God, when you are filled with the love of God, you can rest, you can trust, you can obey him. You, can, you have the freedom of not having all of this internal conflict and all of this anxiety. You don't have this depression that weighs on you because you know that you're accepted. And you can just rest. You don't need external things to make you feel peace because the peace of God is within you. Your heart is at peace. Instead of doing things your way, you do things Yahweh. (laughs) And so rebellion is destroyed through a simple life of obedience. As I'm abiding in the love of God, and this has an immediate effect in my life. 
You know, you don't have to say, well, yeah, I'm working on stopping that sin. You know, I'm working up to it. It's like, no, there's no working up to it. When you love something, you stop it. It's immediate. The fourth enemy is accusation. In number 16, Moses is falsely accused of killing the families of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and 250 of the most respected leaders in Israel. The people blame Moses and Aaron for killing them. They didn't kill them, but they're blamed for killing them. That's what accusation is. When you're blamed for something, whether you did it or not, and the people gather against Moses and Aaron, and the text suggests that they gather to declare war on them. Literally, that they gather to destroy them, to kill them. In Numbers 16, 42, it says, Now it happened when the congregation had gathered to destroy Moses and Aaron, that they turned towards the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Here's the grace of God. The real presence, powerful presence of God appears. And God says to Moses and Aaron, get away from accusation. Get away from this congregation. I am going to consume them with fire in a moment. I'm going to destroy this accusation. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces, and Moses instructs Aaron to get a censer, put fire and incense in it, and intercede for the people, and God forgives the people, but not before 14,700 people die. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he has one mission, to kill, steal, and to destroy. That is what he has come to do. Anytime you see killing, stealing, and destroying, that is the work of Satan. Not the work of a protest group. That is satanic, demonic. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way he does it in your life and my life is through accusation. He will do everything he can to steal your faith, to steal your ability to trust God, he will do everything in his power to rob you of entering into the promises of God. He will seek to kill you, to destroy you, and he'll bury you with accusations. He'll stir up others to accuse you, whether it's at your job, in your neighborhood. I remember we had in our one neighborhood we lived in, we had this lady that just hated us and just attacked us. We never understood why. Just an accuser. And when we moved out of the neighborhood, she came and apologized. She said, I don't know why I was so mean to you. I don't know what came over me. I was like, I do. It's called the devil. <laughs> He's an accuser. And he'll even get you to accuse others. He'll even bring you to a point where you become filled with anger and filled with vengeance and filled with bitterness and disappointment, and you'll start accusing other people. And as you do that, he'll lead you to a path of destruction where he'll destroy you with bitterness and unforgiveness in your life. 
sickness will come over your body. There's more sickness that comes through bitterness than anything else. Unforgiveness. All kinds of mental anxieties can come through bitterness and unforgiveness. But what does God do with accusation? He appears. He intervenes. And how does he intervene? Through intercession. Aaron, the high priest, interceded for the people and the plague of death was stopped. Hebrews 4.14 says that Jesus is our great high priest. And in Hebrews 7, it says, Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so when the enemy comes to accuse you, Jesus intercedes. He stands in the middle of it. And he says, wait a minute, that's not true. I've forgiven them. It doesn't matter if you did it or not. If you've been forgiven by Jesus, you are forgiven. And the blood of Jesus washes away every sin. You are white as snow. And the enemy kind of bring it home. Remember when you used to do that? Oh, that's, I'm such a bad. No, you're not. I'm such a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. When you are saved, you are saved. And God declares you righteous. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how you are. That's who you are in Christ. You say, well, what happens if I make a mistake? What happens if I sin? Well, John says that you have a great Jewish attorney. In 1 John, it says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we do. We have an advocate, an attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What a title. Jesus Christ the righteous here. <laughs> How great to know that Jesus is your legal defense. That he's your attorney. And what makes Jesus the best attorney is that he himself paid the wages of sin for the entire world through his death. And so when the enemy accuses us, he says, no. That charge has been dropped. Forgiven. Well, what about this? No, nope, that's been dropped too. Paid for. Sentence served. Forgiven. I'm going to exercise the mercy clause. They get mercy because they've been forgiven. An accusation is immediately destroyed through the intercession of Jesus. But here's the key. You have to live in the reality of this truth. Because this is one that the enemy keeps coming back over and over. And it's something that you just have to learn how to walk in it. And when that accusation comes, you go, nope, nope, I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a great high priest who intercedes for me. I have a great advocate with the Father. And I'm so glad that he doesn't treat me as my sins deserve, but he gives me mercy. I'm accepted in the Beloved. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. 
Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus People community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. The fifth enemy is false belief, or the lies that we believe about God. In Numbers 20, the nation of Israel is in the middle of the wilderness, and it appears that there's no water for them to drink. So they complain to Moses, but really, again, their complaint is with the Lord. Every time they're coming to Moses, they're really complaining against the Lord. Why have you brought us here to die? They say to Moses. Now, here's the thing. Did God bring them there to die? No. But they believed that. That was their belief about God. Why have you made us come up out of Egypt? Did God make them leave Egypt? No. They cried out to God for hundreds of years. God, deliver us. And God sent a deliverer and led them out of Egypt. And when he led them out of Egypt, they were so happy and willing to go. They were ready to go. But they believed that God made them do this. I've talked to people like that. You know, I used to have fun before I met the Lord, and now I'm trying to do this God thing so hard. All this stuff that God makes me do. Wow. Like God makes you go to heaven. God makes you not go to hell. It's like, don't go in that oven. But people believe that. That's how they approach God. There's no water to drink. Is there really no water to drink? They've already seen God provide water out of a rock. Everywhere they went, God has provided water. God provided food everywhere they went. Did God really not have water there for them? But they believed that. And in verse 6, it says, So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The grace of God, the presence of God appears. And the Lord instructs Moses on how to provide water for the people. Go speak to the rock, and the rock will give water to the people. Now, what I find interesting is that God doesn't try to fix their wrong belief. He just meets their need. And you know, the, oftentimes that's true for us. One power encounter with God will set our theology right. When God comes into our life and meets our need and meets us right where we're at, it changes everything. But Moses makes a mistake because Moses himself 
has a false belief about God. And in his false belief about God, Moses allows his frustration to get the best of him, and he acts out of anger, not faith. Whenever you're acting out of anger, whenever you're acting out of bitterness or fear or anxiety or frustration, you're not acting out of faith. It's not of the Lord. It's out of a false belief of what you believe about God. And God says, this is your false belief, Moses. You assume that I feel like you. You assume that I'm as frustrated with the people as you are. You assume that this emotion that you're feeling is righteous indignation. When I don't feel that at all, because I'm not like you, Moses. I'm different. I'm holy. And I'm not here to be like you, Moses. You're here to be like me. You're here to represent me. We're not the same. But Moses operated out of his unbelief, not believing who God really is, but believing what he thought about God, his false belief, and he strikes the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And God says, because you misrepresented me to the people, you will not enter into the promised land. And there's a couple of takeaways that we can get from this. First, if you notice here, as I said earlier, that God does not try to connect the bad theology of the people. He doesn't try to fix it. He didn't argue with them. He didn't say, look, I've provided water for 40 years. What's your problem? Come on, man. He didn't say, listen, I'm the one that carried you out of Egypt. I didn't make you leave Egypt. He didn't argue with them. He simply met the need. And by meeting the need, he confronts their false beliefs. By providing water, he confronts the belief that there's no water. Like there is water. It's right here. Oh, I guess I was wrong. If you remember the parable of the talents, there's the one with the one talent. And he takes his talent and he buries it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he says, where's my talent? He says, it's in the ground. What's it doing in the ground? Well, I knew you were a jerk. I knew that you would come in and you would take my work. And so I just put it in the ground. You can have your talent back. And the guy doesn't look at him and go, dude, you totally don't get me at all, man. I'm cool. I would have given you more. I would have blessed you abundantly. He goes, look at what I did for the other guys. He had seven talents. I gave him seven more. He made seven more. I gave him, you know, I blessed him. And the guy with five, and I, did, and I would have done the same thing for you, but you blew it, man. He doesn't do that. Instead, what he does is he judges him based on what he believes about God. Well, if you thought I was that guy, you should have at least put it in the bank. Because then I would have gotten interest. If you think I'm just here for the money, at least get me some interest. But because you didn't do it, you're a wicked person. Now, why is he a wicked person? What's the point? The point is this. The guy didn't even live based on his belief. Because he's saying, if you really believe that, you would have done that. 
Now, there's a lot of people that say, well, God is a God of wrath and a God of judgment. It's like, really? If you believe that, you better get your act together. You better be the most perfect person on earth. You better live every scripture in the Bible because he will only judge the righteous, those who follow every jot and tittle. If you don't do it and you believe that he is the God of wrath and judgment, all this stuff and justice, you better live it. The problem is most people don't. I want the law for you. I want mercy for me. You better be perfect. And then you say, well, but you do this. Well, that's different. Why? Because it's me. God understands. I don't know about you, but I want mercy. I don't want God to judge me the way I judge others. And so I don't want to judge others. Because I want mercy. And I need a lot of mercy. Don't you? And so God holds Moses accountable for what he believed about God. The second, God held Moses responsible for furthering the people's false beliefs about God by striking the rock. As a result, Moses didn't enter into God's promise at that time. But here's what we know about God. God loves to forgive. And so Moses did get to enter into the promised land. Do you know when? In the New Testament, on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus is transfigured, there is Elijah and Moses. Moses, you made it. You made it. Why? Because God forgives. God is a God of grace and mercy. You see, your false beliefs will keep you from entering into God's promises. But this is how God destroys your false beliefs. He reveals his power and he shows you who he really is. One power encounter with God will change the way you see him. And that's what he does. And he does that by meeting your needs. At the point of your need, that's where he comes. So we have five enemies of God. Unbelief, condemnation, rebellion, accusation, false beliefs, and God destroys them all by his grace, his real, powerful presence that is living and working within you. And the greatest example we have of this is the cross. At the cross, Jesus defeated all the power of sin and death, and he released forgiveness. He destroyed condemnation. He destroyed rebellion. He destroyed death. And he released into the world abundant life that we can receive when we believe into him. Friends, thank you for listening to the program today. You know, the statistics on life are quite staggering. It's been said that one out of every one person is going to die. And on that day, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to meet God? Well, you can be ready. You can have that assurance that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be ready to meet you. I surrender my life to you. 
Forgive me for all my sins and wash me clean of all the wickedness I've done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer with me right now, I can tell you with full assurance that you are going to be in heaven. Thanks for tuning in today to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. You've been listening to just one message in a series through the book of Numbers. Isn't it interesting that God gave the Israelites a chance to spy out the land, showing them the promise and the blessing that He would give them? But the people became fearful of the enemy. The truth is, it's easy to get stuck in that mode nowadays as well. God promises blessing for His followers, but it's easy to get bogged down by the things that look hard to overcome. The examples you read about in the Bible are a guide to help you learn from their mistakes. Don't let fear and doubt crowd your mind and heart. Let God's courage and strength ignite a drive to do the things God's called you to do, like Joshua and Caleb did. If you've been enjoying these messages and you live in the San Clemente area, why not join us in person to hear more? You can join us this weekend for church. We have services every Sunday and Thursday where we dig into the Bible together and spend time getting to know one another in deeper, more meaningful ways. Just visit calvarysanclemente.org for service times and directions. You can also be a part of our services virtually. We're streaming through YouTube and Facebook Live as well as on our website. Again, you'll find those links at calvarysanclemente.org. That's all we have time for today, but we do look forward to the next edition as Pastor Holland continues on in the book of Numbers, right here on Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.